the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now, back to Lifeline. We're back. The time is 6.06 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Two lines are open. one 367 1-888-367-5329. 1-888-367-5329. If we take up our sister's um, short presentation on um, fear, uh, anxiety, depression, um, control, abuse, all of that, which we talk about a lot because your Bible talks about it. Your Bible talks about evil. Your Bible says the heart of man is desperately wicked, is not basically good. That would be a lie. The Bible says that we um, are all sinners and we keep coming short of the glory of God. That's in general. That's a reality. We all have to, therefore, give some sense of accountability, and we will. Uh, The Bible definitely speaks to the heart being hateful uh, and doing hateful things. And uh, and as Susie had made mention of the correlation between uh, believing, trusting and yielding to authorities who are supposed to be there for our good, such as government over citizenry, um, husbands in relationship to wives, uh, parents in relationship to children, children in relationship to siblings. Uh, when we have a breakdown of the hierarchy, uh, governments are supposed to submit to God. And they don't. And when they don't, they become tyrannical, uh, despotic, Lilliputians, um, small gods, which are equal to demons. And they will be abusive. And that's that's a really difficult thing. What a precarious situation for a people who would like to trust their government, as I stated in my opening monologue. But you can. Uh, there's no way to interpret Romans 13 in First Peter 2 uh, the way that many today are doing by asserting that you just do what they say. It's never, ever been that way. Nowhere in the Bible. It doesn't even tell children to obey their parents carte blanche. You obey them in the Lord. There are parameters of uh, tolerance that we all engage in in terms of submission to authorities uh, that are um, that are not divine in nature and therefore can be dysfunctional and can be harmful. There are parameters of submission. You don't just continue to submit um, when they are abusive and the quality of life is impaired by their abuse. You don't you don't ever do that. The, the word of God doesn't teach that. Um, the highest relationship you have is that between you and God. Every other relationship is contingent upon how much of the benevolence of the true and the living God in the context of mercy and justice is uh, is framing and therefore um, informing the relationship that you have, whether a husband and a wife or um, a government with the people. This is why our country was great when we recognize the law of God as a framework for our 
uh, behavior morally, spiritually, and, and ethically. But as the Bible very plainly says, when you cast God's covenant behind your back, you will consent with adulterers and thieves. It's a metaphor for the corruption that goes on in any society when it's walking in that kind of darkness. And of course, that's where we are. And there is no doubt that your anxiety levels are going to go up. Abuse will lead to disease. Our nation is one of the sickest nations on the planet. If there's anything I've learned over this whole COVID thing, I've learned a whole lot about our nation because so much data has been poured into the social media outlet that we can get a really vivid and more real-time picture of the association of what America is uh, from a medical perspective uh, around the world. Um, America and Europe is some of the most sickly nations on the planet. And in fact, uh, in terms of, as I stated to you before, concerning this whole COVID thing, including the jab, we are the worst as a whole than every other nation, maybe with the exception of Israel. Israel is a total mess. There's a blackout on that data. You won't hear it. Uh, We are worse. And every nation that was able to avoid the Fauci mandates are way better off than we are. And so when you're talking about um, being impacted by abuse or being impacted by fraud or fraudulent authority, it's going to produce um, it's going to produce a pathological outcome that's going to be a, a combination of depression and anxiety, either way, either way or both. And yeah, I mean, you know, you, we know that the, the hospitals are filled with people who are um, struggling with anxiety, struggling with depression. High blood pressure is just off the chart. And there are many factors that, that contribute to it, but There's no doubt about it that um, what we are dealing with in our society is what is called the demoralization of culture. When your government lies to you over and over and over and over and over and over again, and there appears to be no justice. Now, here is the reason why the anxiety is there. Uh, Susie used the analogy of being in a prison and someone knocking on the window and saying, if you come over here, I'll help you escape. And then you you have the you have the challenge, you have the moral challenge and the moral culpability of accepting that opportunity, believing that that opportunity can yield the fruit of freedom or submitting to the tyranny of your bondage uh, in the situation that you're in. Uh, great analogy, Susie, because in our nation right now, it probably is a lot. It's somewhat like 70 percent of people have been conditioned to be passive. And so they will sit in <clears throat> this condition, this melee for a, another several years until things get so bad that finally they they may start to speak out. But free people who understand what's in front of us are doing it now because we know to do it too late. Um, is a crime against humanity as well. If you wait too late to cry out, it, it means that you were immoral also. So the the issue is, do we allow tyranny, tyranny, um, oppression, control, domination, fraudulent behavior to make us immoral? Because I can tell you that's what happens. Uh, a tyrannical institution, a tyrannical government, tyrannical school system, uh, whatever the institution is from the top down, it makes <clears throat> the people that work there 
uh, immoral. Like if you know to do good, but you don't, you have been made immoral. When tyranny is governing you and you don't speak out against it, you are made immoral. That's what Yuri Bismanov meant when he says propaganda leads to demoralization. Because to be moral requires courage. To be ethical and to care requires courage. To know that your words are not to be wasted by frivolity and emptiness requires courage. To know that you will actually be speaking to the point of waking people up requires courage. You have to be operating out of a power greater than yourself to do that. You actually have to care about things beyond your own welfare to do that. Otherwise, you will be part of what that system is designed to do. Shut you up. Shutting you up makes you immoral. Shutting you up makes you unethical. You will allow other people to be harmed by your silence. You heard this on the part of the left. Remember years ago, they would say silence is violence. You remember how the postmodern irrationalists would take that term? Uh, first of all, using the inappropriate uh, death of uh, <clears throat> of uh, uh, Floyd and uh, George, George Floyd and said, if you don't speak out, you are part of the violence. You remember that? Sure you do. That's how the enemy works. He's going to use your voice for the wrong thing. Everybody knows now that uh, Black Lives Matter was a hoodwinking system set up by Soros, bilking the people all kind of money, and they didn't even directly help the family of George, George Floyd. And the family didn't help George Floyd. You saw this with Candace Owens' um, uh, presentation on it, if you were willing to look, uh, look at the truth in the face. And when we see all of these kinds of exploits going on, uh, this is what 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 Christ meant and the prophets of old when they talked about these being evil times. Evil times are when men are scared, when women are scared, when they hide, they run, they they don't challenge. Um, they don't challenge. Uh, to to close out before I go to break on this, if you're stuck between an oppressive authoritarian relationship and a door of escape and you're vacillating between the two, then then the biggest problem is, is you, not the tyrant, because a door of escape is given. And it doesn't even really matter if that individual who says, come this way to escape, has the capacity to help you escape. What you have to have is the internal drive to realize that where you are will not get better until you escape. That's going to be my New Year's theme, by the way, for our church. And and that's the nature of grace. Until we escape through the blood and righteousness of Christ and enter into a real relationship with God so that the Imago Dei is realized in our lives so that we become men and women of dignity and purpose, the tyrant expects for us to be quiet, to comply and do whatever they say. That's reasonable. We're kind of hoping that this all just quietly goes away. It won't. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. All right. The time is 621 on the Monday edition of Lifeline 621. Two lines open. 
one 367 if you want to chime in on uh, our topic or bring an additional ref, uh, reflection, you certainly may. You're listening to Jesse Gistan, your uh, resident Monday evening prophet and uh, protagonist and antagonist against uh, the evils going on in our world and uh, and one among many, many, many people who are trying to arouse us to a position of being responsible. There's a certain point at which what Americans are going to discover and uh, and this is something that is fearful to Americans, too, that if you don't take matters into your own hand, you will indeed um, find yourselves slaves to this system. There's no doubt about that. We are selling out uh, into a global agenda. There's no doubt about it. And when you have been given a constitutional framework of governance, and you don't realize that the only way a nation can be free is if its local citizens are responsible. Well, if you walk around like a welfare recipient, just doing whatever the government says, you are its slave. This is what's happening with with, uh, poor people, blacks, definitely. I was part of that system for many decades, watching how um, welfare just totally destroyed the morality, the incentive, the capacity for optimism of being able to um, be free because to be free, you got to be responsible to be responsible. You got to be educated to be educated. Uh, you got to be humble and, and acquire skill sets and gifts to be able to actually do something for yourself. This is why it's very hard for a welfare recipient to come off of welfare because they have to actually now be responsible for themselves. The worst thing you can do is take away people's responsibility. Because um, you destroy the Imago Day in them. And uh, it's a sad thing, but this is what's been. I was listening to again Marco Polo um, as he was reading directly from the files that he and others have received from the laptop on uh, Hunter Biden that Joe Biden, your president, has voted against black people all of his political career. I was utterly astounded to see how much. He was a facilitator in the uh, 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 policies that kept black people down, that punished. But, you know, you hear on the left all of these harping cries about, um, you know, abuse of black people in prison. Some folks go to jail for just a little bit of time. You get black folks and you put them in jail and they're there for decades upon decades upon decades. They get caught with a little cocaine. They got to do 10 years. The Caucasian or the white boy get caught, he he's only going to do about a year. Well, do you know who was behind a lot of those policies? Your president, the one who told you that if you don't vote for him, you're not black. And again, it just reminds me of how easily duped we are as uh, as ignorant people and how quickly we forget um, the abuse that has taken place. So the narrative have shifted so far in a perpendicular way that uh, people can't look back and see that we're dealing with a changing of the language, a changing of the guards, <clears throat> but the same parties are operating to hoodwink Americans. And I am speaking to you about the cartel of the uh, Republicans and the Democrats. So there are many of you listening to me who swear uh, you're in safe hands with the Republicans. You're not. 
Uh, again, if you listen to that 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 uh, that broadcast, Marco Polo Twitter account at Marco Polo five hundred one C three Marco Polo Twitter A C C T at Marco Polo five hundred one three C C three Marco Polo Twitter. ACCT at Marco Polo 501C3. You'll listen to a three, almost a four hour conversation and he will show you and tell you having worked in the government himself. He worked there. Him and, and his constituents were there when uh, both the Republicans and the Democrats were um, putting uh, silence on the Hunter Biden laptop. So you may think that the Republicans wanted to get it out. No, they didn't. Because you're going to find out that the Bidens have had their hands in uh, power dynamics around the world, China and elsewhere, along with the Republicans. It's kind of scary, but it's true. Um, The Republicans are part of this scam, too. You got good Republicans like you've got a few good Democrats, but not many. So, yeah, they talked about this particular dilemma that you and I are talking about. The question that they raised was... If we could see the naked truth of what's going on in terms of the betrayal of our government against us, if we could see it for what it is, what kind of uh, what kind of hope do we have for any change? That's kind of what our sister Susie was saying about the demoralization of a people when you sense that the corruption is so high that it can't be corrected or remedied. Well, that's because we're not thinking as constitutionally free men and women. We're thinking like slaves. I've told you this before. When the when the proclamation of emancipation was given. Slaves didn't just walk off the plantation. And many of them never left. They were preconditioned to be a slave and they were completely happy with it. Now, that. That event, that that 200 years of slavery uh, under those kind of conditions, that was a that was a that was a test. Can you enslave people to the point where it imprints upon their psyche and limits their capacity for possibilities as a free person and they choose to be a slave? Over a free person, of course, of course, many of them never left the plantation. They had no future. They had no revelation. They had no vision. They had no optimism. They had no plan. They had no insight. They had no structure. They had no goals. They had no um, orientation around the idea of the possibilities of being a free person. But there were many of those slaves who knew they were free internally And we're only waiting for freedom to occur on a practical level because they believed God. They knew that we were made to be free, not to be some animal in a cage of some other man's uh, predilections and bents. And so when freedom came, many of them were shouting hallelujah. But as you and I know, many of them escaped for their freedom before freedom even came. So you got people who are escaping. That's a metaphor for salvation. Whomsoever the sun shall set free shall be free indeed. You got people who are kind of waiting for some Messiah to come and save them. uh, And they're missing who he is. Then you got people who are waiting for the government to save them. And there's nothing in the uh, cards that is suggesting that your government will save you. So they put crisis upon crisis upon us, and then they tell us they have the remedy. 
That's how you condition people to stay slaves. That's that is what we are. So um, uh, Jackie gave you her um, her her email if you wanted to get involved with her work. Bay Area dot against dot mandates at gmail dot com. Bay Area dot against dot mandates at gmail dot com. Bay Area dot against dot mandates. The area dot against dot mandates at gmail dot com. If you want to connect with those folks and start waking up and and doing something with your life, you, you can. You can also come to church. I mean, for real, hear the gospel, be taught the word of God uh, and be built up in your most holy faith. Jesus said, I send you out among them as sheep among wolves. Be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. And when he said that, the world was falling apart at that time. They were in a reset in the days of the apostles. Jesus sent them into danger. We're sent into danger. We're not to sit on our butts. We're sent into danger and we're supposed to be missional about our lives. And this is how God gets glory because God is working. There's no doubt about that. He is working. No doubt about that. He is working. one 367 I'll get your phone calls when we come back after this break. We will chop it up. Two lines open. one 367 one I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. Indeed, we're back. The time is 6.35 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Let's go to line... Number one, and talk with Dave. Dave, you are back. What's your question, comment, or observation, sir? Flatearthdave.com here. Check out my website. Um, guess what I learned yesterday, Jesse? What was that? Well, on the yesterday on the Stu Peters show, um, he was talking about how the earth is flat. And so uh, I whipped up this website. Check it out, uh, com, and I'll speak to you or your church or your group. You've got uh, podcast. All right. Okay. We're, we're, all right. We're, we're going to let you go because this is getting near Christmas time, and that's a you're wasting my time. I'll take you to line number three and talk with Dan in Sonoma. Line number three. Dan, are you there? Yes, Pastor Jesse. I, with the battle between Satan and God, I have a concern. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I can say it in two pieces, and it'll be easy to break down then. Is that I read a lot of Christian books where they're talking about in all forgiveness, reconciliation, and trust is included. And uh, that makes it <laughs> harder to forgive people who haven't repented if you try to include trust and reconciliation in there. And then the second part is a hermeneutic that reads the Mosaic Code back into the book of Genesis to denigrate the patriarchs. Okay. Now, what do you want me to do? Comment on both of those? Yeah. What I think it does is it makes it, it doesn't nuance. You know, you have a New Testament teaching, which is nuanced, and it makes a lot of sense. But if you read it the way I just stated, it boggles up the New Testament. Well, yeah. Whether you take the um, whether you take the addendum of the uh, of the um, Mosaic Code, and it's an addendum. Paul made that clear in the Book of Romans. It was added because of transgression. He said it in the Book of Galatians as well. So the, the history of the world 
has not been one where at the beginning of time we were walking in an explicit codified mosaic system. That would be a fallacy. Um, and therefore, as you're, you're right, Dan, that if we read back into the patriarchal period um, prior to the Mosaic Covenant, the strictures of the Mosaic Covenant with all of its particulars, then you're going to you're going to make a tragedy again out of the what we know to be progressive revelation. Scripture gives us a teleological line from the beginning of time to the end of time. And it's a progression of God's divine revelation. And we already know that prior to the law, we were operating out of a, uh, a covenant framework with God where God was dealing with us in terms of conscience and dealing with us in terms of the prophets. He didn't give us the added coded uh, law until we had entered into the Abrahamic uh, uh, covenant call from Genesis 12 up to uh, Exodus chapter one and the development of the nation of Israel. And that covenant was really strictly to national Israel. As you would know, the Gentiles were never under it in that regard. And so we do not do not take the specifics and particulars of the Mosaic Code and plop it on history and, and begin to create artificial parameters of moral ethical uh, expectations because that law was added to aim to highlight the transgression among the Jewish people so that they would be men and women who understood the importance of mercy to point to Christ, Messiah, Messiah, the anointed one, not only for themselves, but for Gentiles who would come in, that they would give the hope of salvation through the redemption that is in Christ, the atonement accomplished by Christ as a substitute for sinners. The law was never, ever meant to make a man righteous, but to point him to that righteousness, which is outside of him, which righteousness was also present in the patriarchs, as you and I know, because we teach Christ from Genesis to Revelation. So <clears throat> Cain would have known the gospel as well as Abel. Adam would have known the gospel as well as Eve. And, and men found uh, grace in the eyes of the Lord as early as uh, Enoch and Methuselah and their four, uh, four brethren, uh, Noah, etc. Et All of these were grace men, according to the Hebrew writer. They were not under the law. And so to utilize the law in that way is an injustice. And the same thing would be true going forward. Uh, subsequent to the work of Christ on the cross, we are not under law. We are under grace. Whosoever, therefore, will be submissive to the works of the law, they have fallen from grace and do not understand the internal code of the law written on our hearts being managed by the power of the spirit on the grounds of a covenant of redemption by which we in the sight of God are already righteous not trying to find righteousness, but established in the righteousness of Christ and growing in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord. And so we offer to the world the finished work of Christ, which was represented and pointed to in the law, but we don't give them the law as the grounds by which they can obtain righteousness with God. Now, let me talk briefly about uh, forgiveness, because I know you listen to me if you haven't been listening for a while. I taught a series on forgiveness last year during COVID, this crazy COVID period. Um, and I talked about what the Bible teaches as unilateral as well as well as bilateral and obviously multilateral forgiveness. And, and this is very clearly laid out in the scriptures, as you're stating, forgiveness doesn't necessarily 
require reconciliation, although it aims at reconciliation. Uh, A person can unilaterally release another person from the righteous expectation of punishment or, um, or justice for a crime committed against you or a sin or transgression. Not let's say let's not say crime, although it could it could rise to that level. So a person can sin against you, Dan, and you can forgive them of that to release them from your righteous uh, expectation for justice to be, be meted out for them in that no matter how minor that 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 justice might be on a relational level. But you would hope that that freeing them from that judgment would lead them to understand that the mercy that you're showing should be obtained for the purpose of restoration in the relationship, restoration in the relationship. Now, that unilateral mercy that you're doing, engaging in, as I've taught it to our people, is in order to leave those people with God. So there will be a time when somebody offends you. And reconciliation won't take place because their hearts are not right and they're not repenting. They're going to continue doing the evil and wickedness that they do against you and others. Well, you release them by forgiving them. It doesn't mean you forget. It doesn't mean that you become gullible. It does not mean that you maintain yourself in like harm's way. It just means you release them from what is responsible on their part to do. And you leave that to God. God might very well kill them, make them sick, take them out. That's left up to God. That's not for you to manage or uh, mediate. That's unilateral forgiveness. Now, a bilateral forgiveness paradigm is Matthew 15, 18. Go to your brother, tell him his fault between you and him alone, you and her alone, not with a bunch of other people, unless he refuses to reciprocate. Then you bring another witness. In bringing another witness, you are hoping to press upon him accountability, her accountability. Now, that is something that is not, uh, I think, employed in a healthy way often in marriages or in families or in churches, the need to be accountable for our actions. And so a lot of times we are functioning purely out of unilateral forgiveness and not bilateral forgiveness like you said, for the aim of reconciliation. It's a beautiful thing when you see two people reconciled on the grounds of forgiveness, having worked through transgression, because it really means that the heart has been softened by the grace of God and that what's more important to both of those parties um, than themselves individually is the larger domain of their their witness. But that doesn't happen in, 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 in too many cases. Most of the time it's just unilateral where you leave people to have to be dealt with by God. I'm dealing with that right now in Romans chapter 14. If you're listening, I'm dealing with Christian liberty. A lot of times Christians think that they can um, correct somebody, but they can't. And you have to know that God is their judge ultimately and you just leave them to God and you and you move forward. Um, relationships are not going to always be restored. You know that I know that, and it would be fair for Christian leaders to teach. We aim at reconciliation. We aim at restoration of the relationship, but we, in many cases, for many conditions, uh, will not necessarily see that work itself out on this side of glory. If they're both children of God, it'll get fixed 
one way or the other uh, by the time we get to glory. But in this life, there are many scenarios in which releasing them is the best thing you can do. That's Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Uh, They had 37 years to work it out. And apparently, to a large degree, Israel didn't. And so the judgment finally came. Um, They did not reconcile. But God's elect will ultimately be reconciled to Christ because the end game for his forgiveness is not just to release us, but to reconcile us and to restore us. That is the grace of God that you and I know on a, uh, a vertical level with God. And we would hope that that would happen on a horizontal level. But unfortunately, in too many cases, it doesn't. Um, the a brother offended is harder than the bars of a castle and pride keeps people from um, good relationships at that level. We know that's the case. Thanks for the call. Got to take a hard break. When I come back, we'll finish up with James from the Bay. Uh, very good question, though. Very good observations. We all got to think about that. If you don't forgive your brother, um, Christ says a good possibility you're not forgiven either. We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. Indeed, we've uh, got about eight minutes to go. Let me say one more thing about forgiveness. The reason why I frame it in those categories is because there are a lot of people who have had relationships with people who died on them, particularly uh, children with parents um, or grandparents or someone they loved and they were at, at in an ought with them and uh, they didn't get a chance to work out forgiveness while they were alive and it bothered their conscience to no end. And it's a good thing to know that you can render release of that person on your side unilaterally without feeling feeling like you're held up from forgiving them because they're no longer here to reciprocate that forgiveness. It would be absurd to think that you cannot enjoy the benefits of having released them to God uh, if you know how to do that on the grounds of uh, humility and uh, and faith uh, and walk in the freedom wherewith Christ has set you free so that you don't have to be constantly punishing them or punishing yourself because you didn't forgive them while they were living. Um, grace liberates you from that predicament. But if you were holding to a hard, fast forgiveness must result in reconciliation. Well, there's a lot of people that won't be able to have forgiveness in that context if they understood it in terms of absolute bilateral uh, agreement. So I hope that helps. Let me go to line number four and talk with Kiana from San Leandro before we shut it down. Kiana, are you there? Hi, Pastor Jesse. Hey, what's going on? I was calling to comment. I think you commented last week on the whole FTX debacle. Yeah. And I had had caught the tail end of it. Mm -hmm. And I thought you'd like to know that they just arrested him in the Bahamas. Yeah, you know, I know. I, I, I actually talked about it a bit in my opening monologue, but I didn't expand on it. They caught him, Kiana. They got him, but... This saga goes on. This is why I was talking about uh, where we are in our government. So a lot of what's happening in our, in our world, my little sister, is that you and I are being uh, constantly propagandized by the media, by our government, 
on a global scale. So they got him, right? They got him and they will extradite him back to America. But his parents are deep into Washington. They're deep. Yep. And and way too many of our leaders were involved in that FTX scam. Way too many. They do not want all that information coming out. They have they have to, you know, make him appear like he's going to pay uh, you know, for his crimes committed, but they will dwindle those crimes down. Believe me, they will dwindle them down. He will do some time, but he'll be released after after a period of time. Believe me, because, you know, people are are quick to forget. And the amount of uh, fraud that took place this time, uh, if he were not part of the in group, Kiana, they would bury him under the jail with 400 years. Watch what happens over about a, a year's time. They will give him 20 years. He'll be out in 10. Him being a young person, not even much more than 30, I believe, he'll come out and, and live a relatively um, free um, and uh, unimpactful life, like a lot of the elites do, which has brought about a whole lot of people being skeptical of justice taking place. I'll give you the last word on that, because that's the way I see it. I see, I see, actually, I see the... Uh, collapse of the cryptocurrency at this point as part of the collapse of our economy coming over the next year or two. I can I can tell you that this was a precursor to it because our governments in cahoots with the world wants to bring us up under the uh, the central banking uh, uh, um, credit uh, credit monetary system. They want to change the system. And that's where we're headed. So what's your thoughts? I mean, it, it is what it is. I mean, I, I, I knew that cryptocurrency was a scam for day one because it wasn't regulated. Right. And it was like a bunch of wolves guarding the hen house. No doubt about it. Um, I think that if we were expanding the conversation around the ethics and um, the um, the um the uh, ethics and um, right to develop our own currencies, I think that that's a legitimate conversation. I think that we're going to be pushed into that on a uh, on a, a black market level if the governments of the world do completely implement a digital credit banking system, which they're doing, they're trying in New York and several states and several country, uh, countries around the world. If it comes on in where people lose the ability to um, have sovereignty over their income, you're going to see a black market taking place all around the world, as we have always done. You know that. You know that all of people's resources have never, ever totally been given account for to our government because we know what they will do because they're not giving account to us are they our government is not being honest with us with the tens of billions trillions of dollars they are wasting let me just preach us on out of here with this this is this is a sad reality our government is so wasteful with our money and then turn right around and demand that we give account for $600. That's what you got the Biden administration doing right now, telling you if you're making $600 and if you're doing it over PayPal, all of these different networks, you've got to give an account for that. So they are ramping up the IRS to come around and confiscate your money 
But they are printing money and spending money and wasting money. I told you this proxy war that's in Ukraine. You will hear this if you go to Marco Polo on Twitter and let the files uh, be read in your hearing. You will see how absolutely wasteful our government is. And they're going to tell you that you have to give an account for every penny you have. Every penny you have. Wealthy people don't ever do that. Sam Freed's parents don't do it. This is why Sam Freed felt like he could take tens of billions of cryptocurrency and play a Ponzi scheme with it. He had no fear, no regard for the destruction of people's businesses because it's a money game to him as it is with the present Biden administration, as it was with the Obama administration and the uh, Bush administration and so forth and so on because they're spending our money. They're getting filthy rich and we're getting poor and poor and they know the outcome of this is a civil war in a global conflict of which they can solve that quickly by declaring your fiat currency and mine useless and locking us into a digital credit banking system where we are completely controlled when it comes to trade and good trades and goods and commerce. That's what's in front of you. Mark my words, we'll be talking about it much more fully next year. It's coming. And you're going to find smart people finding ways around it because it's called freedom. Remember, whosoever the sun sets free will be free indeed. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.